This week on Access Louisville, we're going to talk about an oddly quiet merger. What does it mean for the startup scene in Louisville? Then we're going to talk about KFC and their legal team here in town. Then we're going to lighten things up just a little bit. And we're going to talk about Homerama. Sounds cozy, right? Stick around. Thanks for joining us. My name's David Mann, and joining me today is Brooke Timmons. Howdy. Marty Finley. Hello. And Haley Cawthon. Hi there. On Access Louisville, we bring you the latest news and the sharpest opinions on the city we love, Louisville, Kentucky. But before I do that, I'm going to start this show the way I always do, with difficult questions for our panel. Guys. The Galt House just announced that a new restaurant is coming in called Walker's Exchange. So in honor of that, we're going to play a little game. I'm going to name a restaurant, and you guys are going to tell me what hotel it's located in. As always, I want you to answer fast and don't help each other. And I'm going to start with Brooke. And the first one is 8-Up. Oh, Hilton Garden Inn. Hilton Garden Inn. Hilton Garden Inn. You guys are helping each other. That is right. That's a point for everybody. Also, this week I'm going to go much slower so that our audience can play along at home. Um, let's see. Sway. Hyatt, downtown. Hyatt. Definitely the Hyatt. I didn't think this game through, obviously. <laughs> uh, let's see here. This is tough. Chard. No idea. Sorry. <laughs> the Gold House. <laughs> Louisville Marriott East. Oh my God, look at Brooke pulling ahead. And finally, corner. Oh. Hey, Loft. I don't know. <laughs> hey, Loft. Downtown. All right. I don't want to take everyone else's answers if I actually don't know it. <laughs> I appreciate your sportsmanship. <laughs> I had Grand Budapest Hotel in my back pocket in case I didn't know. So Brooke won. She got every one of them right. Haley with two, Marty with two. So Brooke is the winner this time. I'll think of other fun games in the future. But first, let's talk about the news. That's what we're here to do. Um, Haley, yesterday you uh, wrote a story about a merger between Leap and the Enterprise Corp, formerly formerly of GLI. Uh, but it was a weird story to report. So how about tell us a little bit about um, you know what you did to uh, you know get get all the the news you could on that story. So last week, um, I, I meet with a lot of people within the entrepreneur community, and I heard about this in passing in another conversation. I was like, oh, I didn't know about that. Sure. Um, let's see if like they have a press release on it or what's going on. Yeah. And so I started following up with all the people involved at Leap, at Enterprise Core, at GLI, and no one will talk to me. And I hate running into that as a reporter. And so... Um, I went around that. (laughs) After they couldn't give me anything, I started calling other sources and seeing who all knew about this deal. And they kept telling me, like, yeah, everyone knows. Yes, this is happening. Um, It's weird that they're not going to talk to you about it. I'm like, this is all very weird. So we went ahead and did a story. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've heard that we've done a story with less sources (laughs) than the ones that I used. We have, and Marty can tell us about that one. But, um So uh, just giving our readers some context, um, 
in journalism, the best thing to have is a named source. Uh, that's what you want to have. Um, but sometimes no one wants to come forward and tell you what the news is. Um, so, uh, you know, and seldom rare cases where, you know, we, we kind of judge them case by case. You know, we have to uh, rely on anonymous sources, which is what we did here. But we reached out to... Um, what was it? Four people. Um, we reached out to I think we reached six, out to multiple, and I heard back from four. But four confirmed uh-huh. the the news, and these were four trustworthy. Yeah, four people with who would be in the know about this yeah. information. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then we ba- based the story on that. Um, you know, I guess uh, you know it's interesting because it's it's a story about the startup scene, uh, and and Leap was kind of here in Louisville to um, unify the startup scene. It kind of sounded, you made the point in your story that this kind of sounded like what they were here to do. Exactly. I think I wasn't here when Leap was formed. I started at the end of April, but from everything that I've heard from Patrick Henshaw, the CEO of Leap and everyone within the startup community, like the big overarching goal and the big mission here is to combine everyone's resources into one place, one entity that people by people, I mean founders and entrepreneurs can go to and get resources and get support without having to navigate all the different avenues that are currently existing in the startup community that make it really just hard and difficult for people to get the information that right, they need. Right. Yeah. Um, so what's what do people say about the entrepreneurial scene here? Um, you know, you talk to a lot of entrepreneurs. Is there, is there a consensus about what we have in Louisville? So the, the general consensus, consensus right now is that the startup and entrepreneur community is very siloed and that it's very sectioned off and mm-hmm. um, not a lot of collaboration. And I think there's definitely people within the entrepreneur community that is that are specifically there trying to change that. For example, like bringing Leap and Enterprise Core together pulls in two great big organizations that people need that people would have used separately and now they exist into one. So mm-hmm. I think we're going to see more of that. I think it's the avenue that everyone's trying, everyone that I talk with is trying to take in terms of getting all of these things in one place. And a big component of that was opening the entrepreneur hub, um, which officially opened, I think in June. Um, I got to tour it in May mm-hmm. and it's just, there's so many people in and out of that building that you can have access to. And it's a great place yeah. to get resources. So is that, uh, you know, the question of is it too disparate comes to mind? Are enough people working together? Is that is that Entrepreneur Hub, is the goal of that to try and get pe- more people working together and break down the silos that you're talking about? Yes, so that's that's the goal, like I said, but there's many working parts to that goal um, that is go- things that are going on behind the scenes that we don't have access to. And right. um, there's a lot of moving parts that people have to get through, which I think is a big reason why folks wouldn't go on the record about this is because mm-hmm. things are still happening and they don't want to get anything wrong mm-hmm. or get, tell me something that's not going to be accurate, yeah. you know, down the road. So I think a big problem is that there's just a bunch of hurdles that people have to jump through and a lot of relationships that have to get put together for yeah. this to work in the right way. So it's just taking a lot longer than I think people expected it would. Yeah. And I'll say on this story, you know, obviously we've heard, some people talk about the reasons they're being so quiet on this story, uh, but it's nothing we can report because, um, you know, we can't verify it. So we're hearing exactly. a lot of 
people uh, telling us, you know, this is why, and and you know, this is this is the complaint that's, that's out there. But um, you know, we have to be responsible, and we have to like vet exactly. all this stuff before we can put it out there. And I think that's and also also kind of a big problem just personally that I've seen um, in the entrepreneur community is it's kind of gossipy. Like yeah. you, you guys are talking <laughs> bad about each other quite frequently. And yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I mean, it happens in every industry, so I'm not like trying to call you guys out or anything, but like there's a lot of people that don't necessarily get along or agree with what everyone else is doing. So yeah. there's a lot of rumors that fly and we just have to take them with a grain of salt. I've heard people say that there's a lot of, um, just big personalities in there that, you know, maybe want to um, have, uh, I wouldn't say power, but um, just kind of some kind of stake in it. And, and maybe they don't have that, so they're upset. And, you know, but that's just anecdotal stuff that I've heard because, you know, just covering uh, small business here, here in town for for years and years now. So, um, so definitely something to watch. We're going to keep our eye on it. Um, you know, is there anything that people talk to you about, you know, just the overall startup scene, what's something Louisville should improve? Have you ever, have you heard people talk to you about that? I mean, beside the silo. Uh, Other than the silo, um, it's just mapping out those resources better. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what some of these overarching organizations are trying to do is essentially compile everything that's available for these entrepreneurs and startups and whether they're already growing or seed startups, whatever they're doing, and they're trying to let people know where they can find this. So it's just helping founders navigate the complicated world of getting funding, getting resources, getting investors. There, There's all sorts of moving parts that are trying to work together to get that going. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Um, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about... KFC and their legal team. Uh, this is another Haley story. Haley had to cover this week, um, but I'm going to make our other panelists weigh in here on uh, their favorite KFC promotions because it got a lot of wacky ones. Um, so, Haley, why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about the story? Um, uh, hey, KFC has an interesting legal team. So, uh, I guess tell me about some things that surprised you when you were writing the story. So KFC's legal team, if you guys didn't get a chance to read the story, it's an all-female legal team. There's four main lawyers heading heading it up. The CLO is Melanie Boots, and she kind of is the uh, head lawyer over there. Mm -hmm. And then there are three. We use uh, the headline Boots Camp. Boots Camp. Yeah, that was that was the Shea headline. He always comes up with good stuff. He's got good puns. I really liked Brooke's headline that she pitched for this story too. I'm so disappointed that we didn't use it. Um, I really wanted to go with legally bronzed because we used the um, (coughs) photo of the. Uh, KFC sunscreen. Yeah, it, yeah, I was yeah. Like, come on, guys. It's George bro- Hamilton, the, the extra crispy <laughs> kernel. Legally bronze. Legally bronze. I, and I, I like won't it. Think of anything that it was genius a, ever again. It was a stretch, I think. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it was kind of a stretch because it didn't really apply. Like later on, after we got out of the sunscreen, but <laughs> yeah, but still, guys. So but still, so funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So I talked with all of these lawyers about just their day to day kind of thing that they work on, whether it's their crazy marketing promotions, which we talk about quite frequently, whether it's like the Cheeto sandwich or any upcoming oh, the Cheeto <laughs> sandwich. Yeah, the the newest Cheeto sandwich and their Mountain Dew sweet lightning drink were the two big ones that have happened in recent weeks. But whether it's marketing or franchising, I know they do a lot of franchising support and contract ne- negotiation and 
um, of course, litigation, but of course, they can't tell me anything about litigation, but they, they have many roles within KFC. So it was just really surprising for me to see how varied their job is. And sometimes when I think of lawyers, I think of like people that operate in the gray areas that are kind of boring right. <laughs> and not necessarily especially uh, corporate lawyers yeah especially doing. corporate lawyers especially in-house lawyers, not trial lawyers you know. uh, but they're a super fun group and they get to do super fun promotions and help people at kfc figure out how to do something instead of like killing the idea altogether yeah like a big goal of theirs is helping people reach their um reach what they're trying to do instead of just saying you can't do that because it doesn't comply with so-and-so they try to yeah. rework things so that people can do the fun things that they do at kfc yeah all right uh have either of uh any of our panel tried the uh the cheeto uh sandwich marty i have not i've not had kfc in a few years now so i'm a little bit behind the curve oh on my this. god i haven't tried it either but uh i'm a total trash panda so uh, <laughs> So you eat like a garbage human. <laughs> yeah, I eat like a garbage human. I'm snobby about um, music and absolutely nothing else. I will eat anything. But um, uh, tell me, uh, you know, we we we're we like talking about KFC around here because uh, we cover a lot of the wacky promotions that they do. They did. Um, Haley mentioned the sunscreen that smells like chicken, smells like fried chicken. Uh, they had a romance novel. They had a comic book. Can't remember the name of the comic book. Um, they had the chicken corsage, which you could give to your prom date. A um, lot of wacky <laughs> promotions over the years. So, any favorites, uh, Brooke? I'll go to you first. Uh, my favorite, hands down, was the gold-plated chicken bone jewelry. Um, I think that's like circa 2000. 13 2014 yeah, maybe it's a little morbid um, but so at this point it's vintage jewelry it um is. and <laughs> what if you can find that in like a local shop i know probably Do ebay amazon probably has it <laughs> yeah so that was definitely my favorite yeah, that's a good one how about you Haley? Um, my favorite was the 2017 mother's day promotion it was a 96 page book called Tender Wings of Desire. Yes, and it had like a Harlequin romance yes, um, thing cover, yeah. and it has a... Like very ripped it kernel. Has, yeah, it has a ripped kernel, like carrying a mom that has like a chicken wing yeah. or a chicken and leg. And like just perfect looking mom. Like, yeah. you know, she just looks like, like a mom. Like the kernel is rescuing the mom from whatever depths yeah. of despair that she has. Yeah. And it, it was just wild, and it's an actual book that you can read. <laughs> I wonder who wrote it. I, mean, I, we I probably know that. I, I didn't know who wrote it, but I do know that all of the paralegals on the legal team had to read every page of really? the 96 page book to wow. make sure that it adhered to their brand standards. <laughs> Talk about a I hard love job. That yeah. Dedication. <laughs> yeah. That was probably like my this. favorite detail in your story. <laughs> they had to read the entire book. <laughs> yeah. Like, I have From a critical point, you just don't sit down and read it. You have to, like, analyze it as you're going yeah yep. i mean i think it's some of the things that, that I mean, everybody has those tasks in their jobs that um that are really hard that has got to be uh, up there reading a uh, fake romance novel about, yeah about uh, colonel sanders, uh, yeah. colonel sanders. <laughs> that is rough uh how about you marty i know we've talked a lot about the colonels and stuff over the years i, th I think probably mine are some of the commercials um and some of the a more recent one and then one of the older ones probably my favorite is is norm mcdonald as the colonel that was early on he was like yeah. colonel number two maybe but basically, he doesn't. He just. It's just Norm Macdonald. <laughs> I mean, he's just himself. And there's the one commercial where he's pretending to be a college student, and he comes up to the college and says, "Hey, fellow college student." <laughs> 
so just this deadpan delivery, I think, kind of yeah. won him o- won it over for me. I also enjoyed just because of the eighties nostalgia of it was the RoboCop Colonel. <laughs> I was a huge RoboCop sure, fan yeah, as a kid, yeah. which is probably bad because that movie was rated hard R. <laughs> so for me, to be a big R&R. fan as a kid was pretty bad. But yeah. anyway, that brought back a lot of. Uh, Fun memories, I guess. Very violent movie, I remember. Um, my favorite, who I, I think it was, I think maybe it was Jim Gaffigan as Colonel. Yeah, he, he was, was one of them as well. He was pretty funny. Um, and then um, who took over? He was the gold colonel. Oh, that was Billy Zane, I think, from Titanic. The, the yes. villain from Titanic. So I think, like, it was during the transition between um, Billy Zane, like, Billy Zane was taken over as Colonel, and, like, I think Jim Gaffigan Colonel was mad about it, and he was yeah. like... He yeah, there's like, actually some cross-promotion, I think. He was, like, appearing in the back of Billy Zane's ads. And this should have been your quiz, which Colonel... Well, the funny thing... I think oh, most. Oh my God! I got to do that. I think there was time. two reactions to Billy Zane. First of all, I was like, "Who is that guy? He looks familiar." And then Billy Zane is still alive. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, he didn't die on the Titanic. That's true. That's true. Yes. Welcome back to the Billy Zane fan cast. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah. He he made his own luck, and that was his line in Titanic. Yeah. I make my own luck. Um, anyway, um, so we've concluded that Billy Zane is a jerk, and. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's it. I think we've covered this topic. Yes. So uh, let's move on. Let's uh, talk about even lighter topics. Uh, Homerama. That was that's going on right now, and we had some coverage of it last week. Uh, Marty, you've done a lot of the coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, talked to some home builders and stuff. Um, tell me first what Homerama is and what is the business benefit. What are the builders? Yeah, so Homerama is an annual showcase that they've been doing since 1968, so it's been around for more than 50 years. Right. It gives a chance uh, for luxury, primarily luxury home builders to go out and kind of strut their stuff, do some um, more, uh, I guess, uh, cutting-edge type of building. Um, Usually there's, I think this year's a little bit more toned down, but there's usually like some really eccentric and weird features. Uh, one of the big features, I think, in one of the homes this year was the axe throwing. There's an axe facility that in, their basement. I, in one of those. It yeah, is, it's in one of the basements. And but it's we've seen cool. slides. We've seen weird pools and all kinds of weird, um, you know, uh, accessories, studios. studios, movie theaters. Um, so it's a, it's a chance for you to kind of see what what is possible. Yeah, if you've and got, these are luxury. If you, yeah, these are high end <laughs> homes. Um, most of the homes this year are in the six to seven hundred thousand range. So, you know, it's for. But a lot of our readers are in that range, so I mean that's that's the people that they're kind of appealing to is the business community, and um, so uh, the business benefit I think from the home builder's perspective is it if you're a newer builder and that's what we're seeing this year I think five of the six builders they're new to the to Homerama mm-hmm. gives you a chance to get some exposure that you probably wouldn't get just going out and building homes for clients in a more of a private setting. Mm-hmm. You can show off your um, you know what what you can do and, and hopefully build your client base up uh, based off of what they see yeah and then there's those builders that also come back that they've done it year after year and they just they just enjoy the the opportunity to be a part of it people get competitive because they do have a contest with the with the home so you know they try to outdo one another and stuff like that yeah. so there's there's more there's but the exposure is a big thing especially if you're new to the to Homerama as a as a builder, sure. And uh, Brooke, you are actually on, you were on the ground there, uh, kind of helping out with some of our photo coverage of that. Um, so, what were some home design trends that uh, you saw, or Marty, you can chime in. You know, mm-hmm. p- things that are, that people are, were looking for. 
Yeah, uh, I actually spent the day out there with our photographer, um, Christopher Fryer, while we um, <clears throat> and toured the homes together. And uh, some of the things that I noticed were, um, which this made me a little bit sad, but uh, open shelving, I think, is out, guys. I mean, Open shelving is out. out. Open shelving in your kitchens. I saw a completely filled cabinet. I built my whole damn life around open shelving, and now i got to <laughs> figure something else out. I know. I mean, it, it completely impractical, but totally loved it. Um, and another thing that I've noticed are um, farmhouse sinks. Are uh, I saw two black ones, and usually mm. traditionally they've been white. So yeah. just there's What's that. What's a farmhouse sink? There's an apron front sink. Um, it's where the sink. Still not there's there. No <laughs> <laughs> there's no uh, cabinet uh, around it. It just is like the porcelain of the oh, sink. Oh, yeah, gotcha. Just kinda okay, kind of comes And they're down. usually bigger than regular kitchen sinks, right? Right. Yeah, they're they're, they're pretty usually wide, pretty pretty wide. Pretty um, mm -hmm. So I saw that. That um, hexagon shaped tile um, that's in, and uh, pickled cabinets that pickled pickle. wood. Tell yeah. me about that. What, what's pickled cabinet? So it's a um, it's kind of like a lighter wood, um, and but not quite an oak. So it's kind of uh, again not my not my forte uh, in the interior design. <laughs> so I'm getting a little bit out. Um, although I do think. Home decor might be my love language. I was so excited when yeah, we were there yeah. the other day. And you're so. uh, you're you're buying a house right now, right? So I am. Um, I'm in the process. I'm uh, so under So this was this was a lot of fun for you, to, I guess, to see all you know how actually some of the ideas it, it, you can do. Correct. Yeah. So um, I when I toured last Thursday, um, and just like kind of really had me itching to buy a house. So I bought one on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what they're going for. Not one of these she houses. Has yeah, been she like didn't buy one, one of these houses. Of these houses. Yeah. No, 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 no. Business no. first is doing well, but. <laughs> Not that well. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I, uh, uh, I, I'm excited to, to kind of take some of the things that I saw at Home Around that and, and do it do in my own. I, I can imagine that would be uh, uh, a definite uh, benefit. Um, so what does the real estate market look like now? Marty, you've written about this. Brooke, you've experienced this. So I'll start with Marty this time. Uh, you know, you've, you've yeah. heard a lot about the real estate. Brooke can talk for more from an anecdotal <laughs> perspective. I can talk more just from the kind of 10,000 square foot yeah. view. Yeah, we did a story back in March looking at the uh, just like kind of the whirlwind that you're seeing with, with, with housing. The weird thing is, is the market that was really the most crunched was sort of that Two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand dollar range. It's not mm -hmm. the high end stuff, which is m more stable, but it's not selling as I much. I would say lower than that too. I mean, yeah, that, and lower than the that. First I mean, time home buyer market. Yeah, you know, one fifty. One fifty to, to two hundred. Really, yeah. anything probably from one fifty to three hundred was sort of just yeah. coming off the market, and you know, anywhere from a day or two to hours. I mean, I live in a in a market that's probably one fifty to two hundred there in Jeffersonville, and you're seeing houses sell. My neighbor's house sold in three hours. Wow. And that was about a year ago. There were houses that uh, I was pl I planned to look at with my agent, and he would just call and say, "Ah, yeah, we got to cancel that appointment because it's gone. It's, it's not pending. there." Yeah. yeah, we uh, we talked to a couple that looked for several months, and they they said as soon as they would see it, I mean, as soon as it popped up on the MLS, they would call their realtor, and they're like, "Nope, it's gone already." Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that's how quickly these homes were going, Amazing. and. That's terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> it's, still, it's great well, news, but terrifying. <laughs> the thing that you're, that you're running into is if you're trying to sell your home, you're worried that you're not going to be able to find a home. So you're kind of scared to put your home on the market. It yeah. kind of creates a, a little bit of a challenge. That's the thing. There's not enough inventory out there. I mean, yeah. there would be, you know, a week or two that would go by where I just wouldn't hear from my agent because there was nothing 
that had come on the market. And mm -hmm. so I'm calling him and I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, I don't know. This is kind of unprecedented. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is there a lot of, I mean, we're talking about this new inventory coming on with, uh, with luxury houses. Is that, is the inventory needs being met on the, the, the lower scale that you were talking about? No, that's where you're seeing the, the shortage. I mean, there's, there's much more inventory at that 500,000 and yeah, above yeah. than there are at that lower point. I think some people are starting to downsize. So you're seeing older couples, you know, looking for patio homes because they don't want the John house anymore. Right. Sure. I think you're it's seeing too like much the, upkeep. The people who are downsizing plus those like first time home buyers. Yeah, it's a mix of those people. Same kind of size. Empty nesters yep. meets first time home buyers. Right. Yep. Who would win in a fight? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Let's see. Uh, so what's, um, you know, from your personal experience, Brooke, I guess, wh what's the number one thing you think people are looking for in a house? And Marty, you can chime in on this as well. I think affordability, you know, yeah. trying to, to meet the, the needs that, that you have for the house. For me, um, the kitchen is extremely important to yeah. me. Um, so the house that I found has just the most amazing kitchen ever, well, in my opinion, um, for my price point. I mean, please. I could, Does it have I a could, farmhouse could, sink? It does not, um, but you I put can one change in. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the kitchen is very important to me. So it's it's you know finding that that sweet spot of the affordability and meeting your needs. Mm -hmm. um, so the kitchen and a fenced-in backyard for my dog were important things for me. Sure, I bought a house what, almost five years ago now. So, but for me, it was you know affordability, like you said. I had a small daughter at the time, so I was looking for a ranch. I didn't want the going up and down the stairs just for safety mm -hmm. purposes. Um, but it was just a couple little things that sold me on it. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was, you know, the pantry in our kitchen. I just loved the way it worked. And there was a walk-in closet in our bedroom. So sometimes it's this big, huge walk-in closet. So sometimes it's just the little things that kind of tip you over the scales. Right, yeah. and it's surprising. So the houses that I had been looking at originally were – um, nothing at what I actually landed on. I, a shotgun yeah. uh, house, <laughs> two bed, one bath, which is not what I was mm -hmm. looking for originally, but it, this kind of fit my needs. So I went with it. And Haley, you are, uh, you're, you're kind of considering getting into this too. So. Yeah, probably next year. I'll be more into the throes of it like Brooke and hopefully it's not since I'm okay, not looking in such a competitive down. neighborhood, <laughs> then maybe. Yeah, I mean, maybe. of course I was looking in the hottest neighborhood in town. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And for me, I'm going to be looking. That means, yeah, that, that affects it. So. Yeah, but for me, I'm going to be looking at location primarily because I know, just like Marty and Brooke both said, affordability is a thing. And some places are much more expensive and much more crowded mm -hmm. than they need to be um, because of all the amenities that are there. And my husband and I are definitely the kind of folks that can live out of town and drive in and park and just do what we want to do and then get back out of town so yeah. it just depends we're also looking for um some breathing room i yeah. guess yeah um yeah i think uh it's funny i was at a, a panel not too long ago um uh, where s people some commercial real estate people were talking about some of the big needs that uh, uh you know markets have and one of them is definitely affordable housing and i've heard all you guys say that uh, so I think affordable housing is important for economic development reasons. That's why, um, you know, places like San Francisco, a lot of the companies out there, you know, they're just kind of struggling with finding people, um, you know, who can, you know, finding places for the, the workers they need to live. So maybe that's a benefit in Louisville's regard is, you know, is that they have this way more affordable housing stock. So Right, but it's, I mean, it's, it's again, to 
the wages that we have. So, yeah, yeah, um, it kind of works. And, and funny you mentioned that uh, this past week, our uh, sister paper in Washington D.C. had a like I don't know eight-page eight cover story on the lack of affordable housing in the D.C. area. Yeah. So if you want to check that out and kind of read, this is yeah, this has been um, an, an issue in a lot of cities. Uh, I think every city. We were in Denver last year with Glad and GLI and. Affordable housing is a huge issue yeah. out there, too. So, and so these really fast-growing cities is a huge uh, issue in Nashville as well. It's everywhere, really. Yeah, I have a friend who's uh, moving out of Nashville well, and moving to Indy because her and her fiancé cannot afford well, to buy right. a that's home. That's actually a real something that's bordering on a crisis in Nashville. They're growing so fast. The housing market is ballooning in terms of price. Now people are getting priced out of the market. Yeah. yeah. So it's actually becoming a borderline crisis in yeah. Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's happening in a lot of places, so. Uh, so, you know, it's a double-edged sword that we have, um, you know, it, we want to see Louisville grow, obviously, but, uh, you know, Nashville's, there, there's an underside to that, and mm-hmm. that's what Nashville's yep. experiencing with housing. But um, I think that's it as far as our topics this week. I'm going to wrap it up there. Um, I am also going to um, let go around the table first and let our uh, panelists tell them where, uh, where you can find them on social media. And um, Marty, I'll start with you. Uh, primarily on um, a Twitter, BF Lou Marty. I'm also on Facebook. Dusted the LinkedIn back off after about four months hiatus. That was just sort of one of those things you just forget about. It just yeah. drops off your list. But trying to get back involved there because there's a lot of business people on LinkedIn. Yeah, and for sure. I missed a few people. So if you're that person I missed, I apologize. I'm back. <laughs> Hopefully I'll stick with it. Uh, we've joked a few weeks in a row here about Instagram. Um, I've changed my name and then promptly forgot it. Uh, <laughs> Do I have to find you I got to go find myself again. But I am going to give this Instagram thing a whirl okay. once I get everything sorted out. So. Good. Haley. Uh, you can find me at BF Lou Haley. That's H-A-L-E-Y. And I just tweeted a lovely photo of all of us. So if you oh, don't you know go. our faces, you can connect them with our names via that photo on my Twitter account. I'm also on Instagram at Haley Cawthon. And you can also find me on Facebook and LinkedIn, just like Marty. <laughs> yeah. Brooke? So I, uh, again, I we joked the, a couple weeks ago that I dusted off my Twitter. So I'm at... Uh, at, at BFLU Designer on Twitter. Um, I'm still kind of checking it like my grandmother checks Facebook. So, um, you know, some days I'm better at it than others. Um, and then also you can find me at my digital home on Instagram. Uh, everyone jokes that that's where I live. Um, and that's at btimmons26 on Instagram. Nice. Uh, you can find me at BFLU David on Twitter and on Instagram at dman3001. I just got that uh, out. It had been hacked literally hacked by russians um my name was changed my all my old posts were deleted and my email was changed to a what was Ru- your name is dimitri something yes <laughs> we're gonna start calling david dimitri everyone get on this train with us um <laughs> anyway um and then i had to change all that i had to set up all the two-factor authentication i looked it up there was a lot of people who were hacked uh last year by uh some russian hackers so uh Ha ha, got it back. <laughs> Take that. America won, Russia. <laughs> um, anyway, I uh, th- think that's it. Um, we're a new podcast. Uh, we're always kind of looking for feedback. You can reach me 
uh, by email as well at dman at bizjournals.com. If you haven't already, I'd love for you to subscribe at uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, uh, elsewhere, uh, Stitcher, and uh, um, Radio Public or other good platforms. Um, so I think that's it. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Marty, Haley, and Brooke. Uh, my name has been Dimitri Mann, and <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll see you guys next time. <laughs>